Welcome to my podcast. I'm sitting here today with Diana Mitchell, who has been head guide ever since I can remember and knows far more about the castle and what goes on there than I think I do. And she's been a wonderful friend and companion as I've tried to learn some of the ropes and got to know Hindley Castle a little bit. Diana, thank you so much for joining me today. And I firstly want to say happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) We're sitting here still in COVID. So luckily for you, I don't think I can sing happy birthday, which is very positive. (laughs) (laughs) Nor could I, I'm afraid. (laughs) But I know your husband, Horace, has got the most marvellous voice. I always listen out to him in church and goodness knows what. But thank you for joining me today. Honestly, your knowledge of the castle and both the works of art and also what went on through Danton filming has become extraordinary. When did you actually first come to Highclere Castle? How did you get involved, Diana? (laughs) I remember when the castle opened to the general public in 1988 and they did advertise for some guys and I thought, no, I couldn't because of my children were quite young and I had other jobs and also... Being a guide is on social hours, not actually unsocial, i.e. during the night or anything, but it's weekends and holidays, so it just wasn't uh, acceptable. So I think it was about 1992 when we only used to open for a few hours in the afternoon in those days. So it has changed quite a lot <laughs> since then <laughs> to now, I have to tell you. And it's before we did schools, and um, we did have a few weddings and evening events, dinners and things, but obviously nothing on the, the scale that we have in the past 10 years or so. So how, how many guides were there in those days? Well, there were quite a lot because at that stage, um, we used to do free flow as we do now, but we also had guides, two guides in the gardens oh, down really? by the greenhouses. Wow. And I seem to always get that spot. Not that I'm anything, I don't know anything to, about gardens, actually. And we had two in the exhibition. This is when it was much smaller. Uh, and two in the library, as well in one in every other room. So we had about 17 on duty each day. So we probably had about 30 guides then. Right. Goodness me. And then I must have met you. I obviously married Georgia, I remember, in 1999, because I was actually found some letters from that time when I was having a tidy <laughs> up. <laughs> My father and mother-in-law were very much um, in charge and it was a joy to get to know them. And it was only after my pa-in-law died in 2001 that I then became drawn in a little bit to to Highclere Castle and its business. It's all very new. (laughs) Well, a bit different than uh, high finance and being an accountant in the city. Well, and yes, your dresses, I, I you know, not about that either. But, <laughs> but, and I do remember I said to Geordie, because the first guidebook that Granny and Grandpa had yes, done had just about run out. So I said to Geordie, why didn't I try and write the next mm. guidebook? He said, oh, fine, darling, it'd be very helpful, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, fine. And then when I took that job on, I thought, it was a huge job. And I used to start to write after I'd put Eddie, who was just a baby, Absolutely. down to bed. Yes. So I used to start at about nine o'clock and I had all Jennifer Thorpe, the archivist, notes. Mm-hmm. And I think Marjorie had some notes in mm-hmm. the old guidebook. Yes. And then I began to write it following mm-hmm. the rooms mm-hmm. round. And I used to write from nine till about ten, which then involved a glass of wine, usually halfway Absolutely. through that. <laughs> 
and then I'd stop at about 10.30 and the last half an hour was not very good, Diana, because it was the result of the wine and the start again the next evening. But it was such a good job to do because I then began to know a little bit of what you all know a lot more about. Absolutely. And in fact, the guidebook now, it's so informative um, when we take new guides on. We give them that to start with, you know, so yes. we don't give them the real big notes. But if that, I say, always say to them, if you know that, you will be fine. Because yes. it's so, so much in it. It's so easy to follow. It goes through, as you say, each room. So for the visitors, if they buy it, they can follow it quite easily. But it's very good at learning material for the guides. Well, thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I haven't had the time to revise it. I've probably done about three incarnations yeah. of the guidebook yeah. now. And each one, I think I try to understand, you know, from mm. all the feedback where I could improve it. And I probably could do the same again, apart from the fact that at home at Highclere, you know, the big yes. coffee table book has, to some extent, explored different areas of the castle again with amazing photographs. So it's trying to understand which position each has in our a library of, of books, but there's always so much more to know, isn't there? Well, I shall never know it all. Uh, what I find now, because I've started taking on, as you know, students, which we never used to have, their speed at learning everything, and even more, it's just unbelievable. I, mean, I just, you know, it's their brain is like a sponge, and they're used to learning and absorb it, whilst if older guides, you know, you've got to read things half a dozen times. It's, I just, it amazes me how quick... They're up to scratch. Well, it's quite um, fun because we've then got um, guides oh, of all ages, which is magic. Yeah, and the visitors <laughs> love the youngsters. You know, so it's just good. lovely. And a few young men, which makes a difference because we're a bit overpowered with women. A gaggle of women. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, it's really, I'm really quite, quite pleased and delighted with the youngsters. And what's so lovely about the youngsters, which I know they're not going to stay here for years, but they go on, you know, graduate from university. And then you, you get uh, people from who they're trying to get a job with asking for a reference and you find out what they're doing as they go further afield, which I find, again, really exciting. As with Louis and his tea room team, I always love to catch the youngsters yeah. when they're just leaving school. So then hopefully you've got two or three years <laughs> with them, Absolutely. which is the idea. And hopefully they've got younger sisters or brothers, yeah. which also is a huge help yeah. as well. Geordie and I then developed the Egyptian exhibition, mm. which you must remember, that was, my goodness, quite yes. a project, wasn't it? Yes, it's so exciting, waiting to see what will happen and what it was like, because you kept it all under wraps. So even I didn't know. All I remember one day when I was locking up the old exhibition and the corridor where you used to go into it was making, where's the montage now? Yes. And I was locking it up. And I could see there was someone in that end of that corridor. And I just yelled up, I'm just putting the alarms on, because they used to make a lot of noise in those days. And I thought, oh, how rude, they don't even acknowledge me. And that's when I first realised, had some inkling of what was going on, because it was not a real person. It was a lot harder. <laughs> so I was actually talking to her. No one, no wonder they didn't answer me. Everyone like your husband, isn't it? Yeah, no, I'm oh, absolutely. Uh, but that's the first kind of inkling that I had, uh, what was going on, and uh, which I did keep under wraps. Of course, I didn't tell anyone, but it was very, very exciting when we first uh, saw well, we, it. I think we wanted to keep it as a secret and surprise. We wanted to present it in its yes. thought process, because then after that, we, you know, we were very happy to listen to all your thoughts and, yeah. and do it. But it, it did have a coherence and a harmony, mm. which... Mm. 
And it was a story of a journey because the fifth Earl of Carnarvon obviously discovered the tomb of Tutankhamun with Howard Carter in 1922. And it's the most extraordinary story which has spawned films, movies, TV series, documentaries, Mm. so much coverage in the press. And yet where the journey started, where the passion, the obsession, the love of all things Egyptian at Highclere Castle was never really represented and and it was exploring the lives of the two men Mm. and taking them on their Mm. journey. What's so exciting now is obviously we have an awful lot of visitors who are here because of Downton. These are mainly people, perhaps some of a lot of these particular people are on the coaches and they're coming because of Downton. Often it includes the exhibition and they are just blown away by it. It's just so wonderful to see the delight on their faces. They'll spend longer in the exhibition than the house sometimes and be more excited about it. And that's just, I know they're excited about the house because of Downton Abbey, but it's wonderful that they're so excited about the, um, the, the exhibition. exhibition. I guess you feel kind of so proud. How many guides, well, this year's been slightly different, but until now, how many guides do you have under your remit, do you think? Well, we have a, between 35 and 40. This year, there was a few, few guides that didn't wish to work, yes. which is hopefully they'll come back next year, but we'll wait and see. Two new guides were taken on at the beginning of the year, both students who settled in very quickly. And already for next year, I have three new guides lined up. Some of the people that have been guiding for other, longer than the others, you know, for quite a long time now, wish to perhaps work less days. Yes. Which is quite understandable because it's quite a long day now and we can be very, very busy. So it is kind of quite a tiring job. But it's the enthusiasm still of all the guides. I mean, there's quite a few guides now still from 1988 when you open to the general public. Mm. And their knowledge, I have to say, ladies, is even better than mine, which is awful. (laughs) But I I can look at my notes or something like that. But that's what's so exciting. They are, as you say, the house is a home. And that is what is unique. A lot of these stately homes, they're stately homes. They're more like museums. Yes. But this is a home, and that's what the visitors like about it. And I think it's full of, I mean, I've, I know I have deliberately sort of tried to clutter it without being either over-cluttered or the wrong sort of clutter <laughs> in order to create those little things put to one side, which, which has really, I think, accumulated over time. And also as I've... And then on the guiding side, as I've got to know all of you much mm-hmm. better, it just does take time, doesn't it? And you can't really rush it. And you must have wondered what on earth I was coming in as well. Well, it was a change. <laughs> it was a change. <laughs> now, yes. so it just seems normal. Yes. You know, completely. but it obviously it was a change, especially when uh, the late Earl George's father mm. died in 2001. It was quite a shock. Mm. And um, it was, it's awful. You know, we're all finding our feet. We were finding our feet as well. Yes. Uh, uh, and you and Geordie were finding your feet. And they all settled down. And then suddenly, in 2010, when this funny little program called Downton Abbey. Absolutely. Which you and your guys also, you know, were part of the shift series when they were making it, which, which was also fantastic, is mm. it allowed stories to be shared from the making of Downton Abbey as well as the history of the furniture and the works of art so it's worked so well done I know a lot of that's down to you so I I can't thank you enough and sometimes it was like watching paint dry when they yeah, that's, what I, that's what I told one of the directors when he asked me what I thought about I said it's compulsive but it's what, like watching paint dry <laughs> what did he say to that he said oh <laughs> I thought oh did I say the wrong thing <laughs> It was, wasn't it? It was yes. compulsive. But, and you thought, what are they doing another take for? I thought that was perfect. <laughs> um, uh, and there's oh, some pieces stick in your mind. I, it, it's the one when 
poor Edith was jilted at the church and they, they did the take of her dropping her veil yes. so many times. And you thought, what's wrong with it now? But it was just yes. the way it landed or the way it fell or the way she took it off. And then, of course, it took her ages to get her ready again because the makeup artist, the hair artist, the dresser, the singers, when you're a novice or you don't know these things, it's a different world. I think yes. for most of us. And I used to come in towards the end thinking, because it was long days, hopefully they, they did, yeah. sort well, of they finish did. now. Yeah. It's sort of, And I used to come in with Bella, if you remember, and yes, she used she to did. sometimes, yeah. she was wagging her <laughs> tail, so they'd have to hold her tail as they tickled her tummy. But she was very happy, Bella the Labrador. It was an extraordinary time, and then we've tried to pick the the real Downton Abbey, Highclere Castle up, just to share the stories and the... Um, the real stories mm. behind it all. So mm. that's mm. also been quite a powerful line of for, for both publicity and marketing and just the enjoyment to share with people of all the books and everything. Absolutely. Mm. I think that's what the guides love, is to share bits. Mm. And also because most of the guides who've been here slightly longer um, have actually seen some of the filming. And so one can actually you know, speak from the heart. And I find, because as you know, ladies, I do quite a lot of talks. And having seen how it's filmed and actually having been in it, <laughs> background, I can talk from both sides. Um, yes, so to that recap, really... that I remember that um, they were, the Downton were filming a fate scene fate. on the East Lawns. Absolutely. And so they went to the church fate and they were interviewing to see who would fit in what costumes Absolutely. to be the extras. And I think there were about, 200 extras or something mad and they put up a huge tent for you all to change in and everything yeah. else somewhere in one of the fields behind yeah. I think and I think the fate scene took three days was it three days it I was amazing I mean it, it was uh, the local yokels they wanted you see they wanted <laughs> to make it very local <laughs> uh, and so they that's why they came to the church fate it was quite interesting because I wasn't going to be photographed. You had to be photographed and measured. I said, oh, I'm far too busy. I'm on the gate. What was interesting to begin with, because they were going to come to the fate, we could put the price up for the fate from £1 to £2 entrance. So <laughs> straight away, we made a good profit, you see. Um, uh, and uh, anyway, they managed to choose a, a few of us. And one of my daughters was also included. And several of the guides as well. It was quite an experience, a long day, six o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock in the evening, but fortunately it was July, early July, so light, light mornings. Mm. Occasionally Charlotte and I would walk up, in, or Horace would give us a lift, my husband, and then we'd walk home, wow, I have to say, the pub for <laughs> a glass of wine, idea. which we felt was needed by half past seven by then. But yes, you put your costume on, you had to be checked, you had your gloves, your handbag, your hat, turn around, look at the back of you but they certainly get well fed. Oh, yes, there's lots of kids. Well, the dogs, my dogs always loved <laughs> their catering fans, but yes, yes, absolutely. No, but it was lovely, and I, it was fun being on the observing side, yeah. watching, mm. watching some of you yeah. all walk <laughs> up and down. <laughs> and mouthing our words all the time. Yes. <laughs> Downton Abbey was on TV, I think it was for six years, but I think it was after the first year, Diana, that the effects were really felt much more in the castle, and... We obviously reduced the number of weddings and increased the mm -hmm. tours mm -hmm. and the visitors per day became much more regulated and mm -hmm. higher, which was 
Wonderful. But I imagine you might have had some quite funny stories to tell. Have you got any Well, yes, we do have. Because obviously, uh, as you say, our numbers went up quite considerably. And I think um, Downton Abbey uh, came out in the autumn, September, yeah. October and early November. And I believe at the castle, the phone started ringing in the office with coaches booking. So we all realised, my giddy aunt, it's going to be a little bit different in future. So I did take on quite a few guides. But when we opened at Easter for the journal opening, I had just during my rounds one morning, and one of the new guides was in the uh, drawing room. And she said, Diana, um, I don't understand this uh, lady's question. So I said, oh, well, you'd like to explain it. And she said, well, what will Matthew do when he becomes the Earl of Grantham? And I thought, what on earth is this visitor talking about? And then obviously, Downton. And I said, oh, you're talking about Matthew Crawley. I said, Downton Abbey is fictitious, I said, and it was filmed here, but it was set 200 miles north in Yorkshire. And I said, Yorkshire's not that far from Manchester anyway. But that was the first question that actually... uh, they're talking about. So we all had a good laugh about that. Yes. Uh, and we did get quite a few visitors who thought they'd come to the wrong place because they thought they were going to Downton Abbey. Um, and they'd say, <laughs> we've had a wonderful time, though. And so one had to just explain they are one and the same thing, but it's a different family. The real family is a different family. Uh, and it's the Carnarvons, not the Granthams. But we, 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 did, we still do get the odd funny thing, but not now, after six, mainly after six years and obviously a few years since they stopped filming. Um, it, it's, uh, people now, I think, really understand it. Um, but it, was just, it just flummoxed us all. I completely agree. And I, I do remember a phone call from America, and it was a producer in L.A., and they, they, their office rang up and said they were over in, in, in London and they wanted they could come out and see the set for Downton Abbey. And they, then they said they didn't have to come in the castle or anywhere near the castle, they just wanted to see the set. So you're sort of thinking, <laughs> how, how can you go back? And, I, and it's also because I you know, respect their thought process, which is it hasn't happened quite like this before, that the programme was set so much within a real home so it's just Mm. a little bit of a different programme but it did it did tickle me is how you go back respectfully so as not to upset anybody or or make Mm. them feel Mm. anything other Mm. than much much Mm. appreciated and we're looking forward to seeing Mm. them (laughs) Mm. well I have to say it's interesting when you get the visitors now especially on the tours private tours because the visitors really find it so exciting and I said I expect you're now all going back and look at the box set again or whatever you've got. We've certainly um, seen quite a lot change than all the different themed events that we have now, which yeah. is asking for different sides of the guides, mm-hmm. for the guided mm-hmm. tours, for emphasise the gardens. We've also got a huge amount more gardens than when you were first here, mm-hmm. when they were quite a thin mm-hmm. offering, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then we created the Wood of Goodwill and the mm. Rose Arbor. I'm just oh. planting roses in the middle of the Rose Arbor. I can't wait. I've bought 70 bare root roses to go in a huge quadrant be- of beds within mm. the Rose Arbor. And also because I don't with you know, but Georgie and I have been creating, which I wanted to do for ages, two roses. One is called Lady Carnarvon. I am a shrub rose. And I'm sort of 
white and scented with a little tinge of apricot. And my husband's uh, red climbing rose. So I I thought I would just make something more of it. So we've been working on that, rotivating it out and covering and mulching it today and hopefully beginning to plant it up over the winter and it'll begin to get going for next year. So How exciting! It well, I always look forward to these roses climbing and uh, Lorcan Arvin climbing right up there, and you just kind of say, <laughs> "And I'm sitting at the bottom." Yeah. <laughs> so that's completely fine. Yes. I'm really happy. There have been some lovely projects, but we we have done a lot, and I hope that this season, Diana, when we restart, which I'm looking forward to next spring, that you know I'll be able to share some of what I've been working on at the top floor and share my thoughts and plans for the third floor as well, which is beginning to come on in a quite exciting fashion. And then just to end, there's a, you know, there's the lovely painted door, which actually I think I showed the filming crew leading out of the smoking room. Mm-hmm. And I always explain that one of the books written by Diana Mitchell is Oh, I know. Herding cats. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I wondered how, how the guides took that, actually. Well, well I, I do right. occasionally, once in a blue moon, if it's a small private tour, pointed out to them, obviously, because I said, this will live far longer than I. <laughs> and uh, I said, I'm not quite sure if Lord and Lady Carnarvon thought, uh, thought it was herding the guides or herding the visitors. <laughs> I'm not sure which. <laughs> ah, yes, that's the point. <laughs> so, so we all have a great laugh about it, but it is. Uh, rather nice to have something here. It's fun, isn't uh, it? Which will hopefully outlast me by many, many years. And my grandchildren can um, uh, come and look at it because, as you know, one of them, because several of them live locally, is already a guide while she's still a student. And another one will be starting this year. (laughs) (laughs) And there's quite a few more to come. (laughs) No, it's lovely. Well, I hope you will stay here for many years. I know you're um, stepping down for some of the admin of head guides, which I know is quite heavy as you try to organise all the different guiding schedules. And I then add in more dates, which then confuses everybody and forgets to tell you, which I've actually just done just before Christmas. I hope you will stay with us for many more years yet and impart much of your humour and knowledge and I thoroughly enjoy coming to church and I can't wait to return to going to church again and hearing your husband's voice in the choir <laughs> and, and the lectures he delivers. Oh. Thank you. And I just want to say again, a really happy birthday, Dan. And here's to many more birthdays. Thank, thank you. you very much. And thank you very much, Lady Carnarvon. I look forward to continuing, so long as I've still got my marbles. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you very you. much. <laughs> thank you so much. Just to remind you, please do subscribe to this podcast, then you can have it every time it comes out.